0: Welcome to another episode of the Victory Baptist Church podcast. This podcast is a ministry of Victory Baptist Church in Valdosta, Georgia. To learn more about our ministry and the impact it has had in our community for over 50 years, visit VictoryBaptistValdosta.com. Now let's listen as Pastor Ward brings today's message from God's Word. A phone call a couple of days ago. I've gotten so many bad phone calls lately. I mean, really bad phone calls. People going through a lot of difficult things, a lot of hardships, and uh, I I don't know. I I don't know when I've seen so many people going through so many difficult uh, times. And I've been pastoring 47, 48 years, I guess, and it just seems like it's kind of snowballed uh, recently, and just a lot of people going through tough times. So I get a lot of difficult phones. Phone calls to take and but I got one a couple of days ago and I've been waiting for this phone call for a long time I think maybe 10 or 12 years I've been waiting for this one particular phone call and um, and so my uh, I got a text rather it was a text and I've been waiting for a long time for that but uh, I'm so thankful that now we have a Sunday School superintendent We've been praying about that a long time. Josh Montgomery is our new Sunday school superintendent. Let's give him a big round of applause because I told him this morning, I said, we can have the interview later. We can talk about you know a little bit later. He said, oh, you mean I got the job? Yeah, you got the job. And, uh, but but the, the word superintendent, that's quite a word. And so he, his assignment is to go look that up and give you the def, definition for it a little bit, little bit later. But no, he'll do a great job and has kids in the Sunday school program and I'm looking for great things to come. It's not, it's not, have, it's not easy to have a program in a church if you don't have someone leading up that program. Uh, we have so many tag teams going on around here. Brother Harrison and I, we've been doing the Sunday school, what's been done, the little that has been done from that position over the last several years, but now we have someone God laid it on their heart, and I'm just thrilled and excited about that and can't wait to see what God's going to do with a program that's already good. You saw that this morning, and uh, and we praise the Lord for that. I want you to look with me in the book of Isaiah. I know it seems like we've been here forever in this one verse. In Isaiah chapter number 26, in verse number 20, We'll read it in just a moment, but I've been sharing with you something the Lord laid on my heart early summer. I know it seems like we've been on this thought forever, savoring the moment, learning, and uh, being challenged—an invitation to savor the moments of life. I think that um, you know, as as you think about it, and we have—I have my notes on here. I did the first lesson and. back in August the 7th, and then August the 15th, and then two, or one in, or perhaps in September. And so actually we've only been about four times on this verse. And that's about 30 minutes each time. So we're talking about something that involves a lifetime of experience, involves a lifetime of attention, and yet we have narrowed it down and put it in one little capsule to swallow that's only about two hours long. I know it seems like we've talked about it forever, but actually we've only been in God's Word on this subject a total of about two hours. The average class in school is 55 minutes long, a math class and an English class. And, um, and so, you know, we've, um, we've, we've really had such a small amount of time to talk about this Very important subject. Obviously this morning, I don't have time to go back and do all the review on the important things that lead us up to understanding what Isaiah is trying to share with us in this one particular verse uh, in, in relationship to the last days. The days of the coming of the Lord. How are we to conduct ourselves? How do we behave ourselves in these last days? How do we manage our lives? How do we we get in a position that we can savor the moments of life? Now, you'll catch on quickly to what I'm talking about because if we were to take a raise of hands in here this morning and and, uh, make a poll out of it, uh, if you'd be honest, you don't have much time to savor the moments of your life. Life is just kind of passing you by like a freight train with a hobo, just flying by day after day after day after day. Time is passing you by. Life is passing you by. Your children are grow up, uh, they're growing up faster than you ever anticipated, and all of a sudden they're in fifth grade, and all of a sudden they're in high school, and next thing you know they're off to college or whatever, get married, whatever the case may be. And you don't have an opportunity to go back and relive those moments. You can't do it through the pictures that you've taken on your cell phone. You can't do it through the family album that you have uh, there at your home in a cabinet somewhere. You can't go back and redo the moments of life. You better take a moment and live. God encourages that in his word. God encourages his children to take a moment and live. Take a moment and live. He's interested in our soul, He's interested in our bodies, and He's interested in the life that we live. Now, there's only one thing that I can say to you this morning of of real great importance. And uh, this all begins. We talked about, I gave you the five things that hinder you from from following the the moments that are given. Let me read the verse. Come, my people, enter thou into thy chambers and shut thy doors about thee. Hide thyself as it were for a little moment. And so the invitation that is given to us is take a moment and live. Take a moment and live. I'm not talking about existence. I'm talking about real living. Now we looked at five things that would hinder us and I don't have time to go over these again but I will make mention of them. Uh, The first one being having a negative attitude in life in general. Just kind of living on the negative side of things all the time. The second one being drifting through life with no definite goals. If you don't know where you're going it's going to be very difficult for you to wind up there. If you don't have some goals set for your life, for your family, for your business, for whatever the case may be, it's just good practice to have goals in life. We use the words of the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians about setting goals. Here's a good one, number three. Thinking ourselves to be something that we are not. It will hinder you from having the time and being able to, to codify your life, to, to organize your life, to, to put your life in, in such a position that you can take a moment to live. Now, I got to hurry quickly this morning. Just be who God made you. What's wrong with that, by the way? What's being wrong with who God made you? And God, by the way, he's still working on me. And he doesn't quit working on us when we get saved. He just keeps working on us once we're saved. To make me what I ought to be. It took him just a week to make the moon and the stars, the sun and the earth, and Jupiter and Mars. How loving and patient he must be. He's still working on me. Be who God wants you to be. I, I, I remember early on in the ministry, and, and, it, and it's just, it's just kind of, uh, I've relived a little bit of that with the uh, Allens on Sunday night, and, and them talking about how God, uh, from the very beginning and, and such a, uh, a, a wonderful time we've had on our Sunday evening services and them going through the days and I, I remember a lot of those days myself and I remember when I first re- accepted the call to preach and first entered into the ministry. You know what I wanted to do? I wanted to, I wanted to be Carlton Allen. Do you know I could never be Carlton Allen in a thousand lifetimes? Oh, I tried it, and I wanted to be that. And then the, the evangelist came by, Sammy Allen, and I wanted to be Sammy Allen. And then and all through the years, and then finally one day it just occurred to me, I'm just who I am. And nobody can fulfill anyone else's shoes. And so it's important that we understand just be who God made you, and the best that you can at it. Here's the third thing. If you don't do that, you'll be hindered, In being able to savor the moments of life, you're going to always spend your time trying to be something that you're not. You're going to always try to go for things that aren't intended for you. You're never going to be able to make your way through the difficult trials in life because you think that you're somebody that you're not. Can I say this, and I've thought about it a lot lately in the course of the uh, recent day of, uh, events and, and the storm and the pain and, and the suffering and all those kind of things. It may be minimal in some cases, but more severe in other cases. And I begin to think about storms and trials and difficulties in life. And I want to I I tell you this, that you are made for the trial that you're going through. God made you for the trial that you're going through. He didn't make anybody else for that trial, but he, you can make it through the trials of your life if you understand that this one is for me. And I've had to learn that in the years of the ministry and the difficult times that you face from time to time and making your way through. And, and, you know, I'm thinking about, Lord, why me? And you know what God's answer? He said, I made you for this trial. I made you for this pain. I made you for this suffering. I have, and by the way, friend, you can make it if you understand that. You can, you can, you don't have to understand anything else. You don't have to have any, any support from anybody else. If you understand that God has put you in the trial that you're in because he made you for it. He made you for it. And you're well capable. He's not going to put you through a trial that you can't come out on the other side shining like the bright day sun. God's not putting you through anything to hurt you. Everything that you're going through is to help you. And you don't learn that early in the Christian life. You've got to live a little bit. you got to uh, be exposed a little bit. You've got to hurt a little bit. you got to cry a little bit. you got to suffer a little bit. you got to worry a little bit. But this trial is for you. God made you for the trials of life like he made a rabbit for the briar patch. God, you can make it through the rough times. You can make it. Well, if I don't say anything else, I wanted to say that but just be who you are. Number four, spending time in other people's affairs. I preach a message, earning a degree and minding your own business. If you're, if you're gonna to tend to everyone else's business all the time, you're going have time to tend to yours. And then finally, number five, was careless consumption of life's resources. Careless consumption of life's resources. Now let me very quickly this morning and I don't know how far we'll get. I don't know that we'll go one through five. But it is, uh, but, but, but I got, let me, let, me, let me say this to you first. Everything that I'm trying to share with you, everything that I've experienced, everything that I've read in his word on this subject about uh, living the moments. I heard one of the coaches on television, I didn't have time watching him, college football yesterday, I was too busy, but I did watch a, just a moment or two of one of the interviews with one of the coaches whose team had come from behind and, and had, got, had come back and won the football game. And he, he, he used this word moment about five times. He said, what I've trained our men to do is just take care of the moment. And I said, I think I'm gonna listen to this. And then he said it again. He said, it's all about the moment. It's not what happened before. It's not what's gonna happen in a little while. It's about this moment. It's about this play. It's about being in this position. It's about doing this that I've been trained to do. And so it is important for you to understand and realize this morning as a child of God, if you're gonna be able to accomplish this, If you're going to be able to savor the moments of life, and by the way, I haven't accomplished it yet, the more I work on it, the more things get out of control, the more overwhelming life seems to become, the more things they are to do. I told somebody yesterday, I said, I'm going to have to go to, we're going to have to start eight-day weeks around here if we're going to get anything completed. I mean, we're working on things from three weeks ago right now. But here's the thing, ladies and gentlemen. It's all about your spiritual life. It's not your finances that are out of whack. It's not your family that's out of whack. It's not the troubles that you're going through that make you feel like life has tumbled all around you. Every bit of it is something to do with our spiritual life. Something to do with our... There's where, I'm just saying that's where it began. That's where it begins. And so my question this morning to you, where are you at with him? Uh, Don't don't tell me about your adventures in life. Tell me about your ministry in life. Hey, don't don't tell me, uh, you know, about your accomplishments in the world. Tell me what you're doing for Jesus. You say, well, you know, I, I... I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I'm doing the other and I've got this. I do too. I I find myself that way and and sometimes we surrender the best things for the good things. Sometimes we're just satisfied. You know, if we can have life good and we can have it comfortable and we can kind of enjoy ourselves a little bit, we're just satisfied. There's something better than all that. But you're not going to do it. You're not going to accomplish anything until you are busy in the will of God for your life. Well, I'm going to be a, what's wrong with being a Sunday school teacher? Well, I think I'm going to be, what's wrong with working in missions? I'm asking you this morning, and we, we can't accomplish these, these personal goals until we accomplish his goal. And that's where we begin with it this morning. That's how how we begin to arrange things in our life. It's got to be first things first. If he's not first in the life, you can forget your family. If he's not first in your life, you can forget your finances. If he's not first in your life, listen, he's either first place or no place. He doesn't play second fiddle in anybody's orchestra. He is going to be the, at the head of our life, or not involved in our lives. We don't call the shots. We take orders from the one who is in charge of our lives. You are not your own. You're a boat with a prize. You don't have any business in this world obligating yourself to anything in this world until you've obligated yourself to Him. And I tell you that if you had two thirty-eight strapped to your side, we got to get real. It's one thing to get right with God, but we got to get real with God. And until we. Surrender ourselves first to him. Whatever happened to consecration? Whatever happened to dedication? Whatever happened to revival services when people came down and cried on an altar and apologized to God for wasting their lives away and say, Lord, from this day forward, I'm gonna do my best to put you number one. Lord, help me overcome, oh, number one. Lord, help me to understand who is to be first place in my life life until you come to the place that you can surrender your will to his will you'll never get your ducks in order you'll never arrange things until god is first in your life all right well with that said we got 10 minutes to, have to preach five points <laughs> look with me if you would please in the book of first peter I'm sorry, that's second Peter, the book of Second Peter. Look there quickly with me. We're not going to take time to look at everything. I'll try to, even if I have to come back again, I'm not going to, I'm not going to run away from this message I feel like it's been settled in my heart and in my life. There's, there's five things that I want to share with you about helps to savoring the moment. We've looked at the hindrances. Here are some helps. In the first place, we're going to look at Add to your faith. In the second place, we're going to look at believing the promises of God. In the third place, we're going to come to the place in our lives where we can acknowledge the blessings of God. The psalmist said, bless the Lord, O oh my soul. All oh, that is within me, bless his holy name. Are we there today? Are we to that place that we can just... Bless the Lord, the, to bless the Lord is just to congratulate him. It's like to go out and, and on a beautiful morning at sunrise and see the beautiful sky and say, Lord, you sure know how to paint a beautiful picture. Or to go out late in the evening as the sun is setting upon the horizon and see all the colors that God has made and the beauty of his, his creation and say, Lord, they can't nobody make an evening like you make an evening. To go out on a starry night and to look up into the galaxies of which you can take a thin dime at arm's length and cover up one million stars. Everywhere you can put a a dime will hide a, a million stars from your eyesight. Lord, you sure know how to make a beautiful evening. You sure know how to... That is bless the Lord, oh my soul. That is blessing the Lord. In the fourth place, we'll look at resting in God's peace. Resting in God's peace. And then finally, fulfilling God's calling. Fulfilling God's calling. Number one, add to your faith. He said so in 2 Peter in chapter number one. I have down verses one through eight. Read those when you get home. But let's look at verse number five. And besides this, giving all diligence. Diligence is just very simply stickability. Stickability, stickability. Given all diligence. Well, I did, but I don't. It's sad that in many of our Baptist churches today, it's almost like an anniversary of of a football, the Wildcat football team from 1972 getting together and they're sitting around and they're talking about all the things they did back in 1972. That's not where we are. We need to, listen, there needs to be uh, some some application of what we can do for him today. I know we can't do what we did. I can't do what I did years ago. And I keep reminding myself of that. I told my wife yesterday, I said, I got to ease off on myself. I can't do it all. I can't do everything that I used to do. I've got to be more careful in picking and choosing the things that I can do from this point. Let me just say this to you. He said, be diligent. He said, add to your faith virtue. Virtue is manly strength. Now, that's not to say all you ladies ought to go out and get you a set of barbells and start building muscles and all those kind of things, okay? All right, I don't want a muscle wife, all right? Yeah, you may, and that's perfectly fine. me. I just don't want a woman. It'd be bad for a little 5-foot, 220-pound woman to beat me up. Virtue, manly strength. Where's the man in us today? You see it all over the world. I I got so much to say and six minutes to say it. And he said, add to your virtue knowledge and to your knowledge temperance. Temperance is just simply self-government. You're in charge. And to temperance, patience and patience, godliness and godliness, brotherly kindness and to brotherly kindness, charity. And he goes on in our verses, and he talks about if if we're gonna if we're gonna make progress in this matter of our service to him and life be oh mm, and life be the way he wants it to be. Just kind of rolling along with him. We're gonna have to add some things. Number two, we need to believe God's promises. Look with me in the book of Romans. In Romans chapter number 8, we need to believe the promises of God. Again, we need to read a lot of verses, but let's begin in verse number 28. And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to his purpose, believing the promises of God. For whom he did foreknow, he did also predestinate this is all predestination is To be conformed to the image of his son You can't do that till you get saved Somebody say amen Then you can become like Jesus That's all predestination is You'll never find it any other way in the scripture That he might be Thank you That he might be the firstborn among many brethren For whom he did predestinate Them he also called And whom he called them he also justified And whom he justified he also glorified and what shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? It may just be uh, the songwriter. They they'll put it usually like God, me and Je- me and Jesus. I remember that one. Me and Jesus got a good thing going. <laughs> you know. It, Grammatically it's wrong and and, and uh, doctrinally it's wrong and all those kind of things. But it's got a good ring to it. It's got a good ring to it. nonetheless. It, it It'd probably make a hit song. <laughs> but the reality of it is, if it's him and it's you, that is the majority. That is the majority. Well, I don't have time to read all these promises. Read all these promises. Number three, to acknowledge God's blessings. You don't have to turn in where we have it on the screen. Psalm 68 in verse number 19 Bless the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. Number one, if we're going to learn to savor the moments, we've got to put him first in our lives in order to put him first in our lives from things that are going to transpire and we're going to start adding to our faith. It is one thing to have enough faith to get saved and that's imputed. For by grace are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. You not have enough faith to get saved. All you have enough faith to do is just give in. <laughs> give up. Quit running. Oh, I like it. I sure love being saved. I really do. Add to your faith. Believe in God's, well, I believe the promises of God, but how much do we believe? them? How much do we believe the promises of God? Number three, acknowledge acknowledge his blessings. Acknowledge his blessings. Number four, rest in God's peace. Here's what he said in John 14, 27. He said, peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. The peace of God. And then the final one this morning is to fulfill God's calling. I think I started with that. I think I can con- conclude Uh, with the same thought this morning, 1 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse number 20, let every man abide in the same calling wherein he was called. You know, we forget about a lot of the things that we tell God we're going to do. He doesn't. He doesn't forget. And... uh, when we told him, it might have been in some crisis that was going on, and we surrendered everything we had, and I mean, we everything to the kitchen sink. We said, God, if you'll get me through this, I'll do anything you'll, you'd have me to do for the rest of my life. I'll do the work of ten men. I'll do the work of ten men behind a, 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 a whole... A, 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 Tra- a train, uh, a locomotive. I'll do, the, I'll do more work than a train can do. I'll do more work than a steam shovel can do. I- I'll do more work than a team of horses. I'll do everything. But now, where's all that at? We must fulfill God's calling in order to be able to savor the moments. So I wrote a few no- notes down a little bit early when I was thinking about being able to savor time in his word and, and be able, being able to savor time in prayer and uh, in meditation and service to the Lord. Fulfill God's calling in your life. What is God's calling for you? Romans eleven twenty nine 29 mentions it again. He said, for the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. They're without repentance. Here's another one, 2 Thessalonians 1, 11. Wherefore, also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of his calling and fulfill the good pleasure of his goodness and work of faithful power. I've heard Brother Allen say this several times over the last, through the course of the summer since they've been back with us, and what an honor this is. I I was sitting by my wife in Sunday school this morning. Brother Carlton was uh, teaching, preaching, Whatever else goes along with it, and I was thinking how blessed we are. Now we he he's not a god, and he, you know he we're not going to build a big statue out front. We did name one of the buildings after him several years ago, Brother Atkinson, as well. People who had an influence on this ministry. You know we're not going to have you go to Daytona. And there's there's a big seven foot statue of Bill France, a founder of NASCAR. When you walk up, we're not. We're gonna, We're not doing anything like that. We know he's just a man walks in shoe leather. But we're honored to have someone who has given 55 years or more of service to the Lord. But you know, I can tell he's, he's not pastoring now. He's retired from pastoring. But he ain't retired I mean, he's looking for something to do. You see, the calling just, the calling just keeps on going. Calling just keeps on going. Well, now, what do you say there? Well, that's preaching. You know, preaching's different. Why? He didn't just say the callings of God. He said the the callings and gifts of God that beautiful voice that used to bless us maybe up here in the choir somewhere. Hmm? You know, there are excuses and then there's alibis, you know. And uh, excuse, you know, the... uh, And there's reasons, you know, there's real reasons that we can't do the things that we did at one time. But a lot of times we're just making alibis and and so on and so forth. To fulfill the good pleasure of His goodness and work of faith with power. Fulfill God's calling in your life. Make your calling an election sure, and then fulfill that calling. Fulfill that calling. I'm often asked. The older I get, I guess it shows that I, I'm I'm getting older. I know I'm kind of part of the old crowd now. You can look at the color of the hair and the thinning of the hair as well. <coughs> Slow, a little slower walk and all those kind of things. But I'm asked, you know, how how much longer are you going to do this? You know, how, how much? And, and I think people are sincere when they ask that question. Pastor, you know. And I'm smart enough to know that I'll one day, and I've been trying to tell you for years that one day somebody's going to take my place. Unless the Lord comes and then anybody can have it that wants it. And so about 10 years ago, I had 10 things on my list that had to do with whatever, you know, when that time were to come. I, I'm serious. I'm talking to you about our callings, our callings. And, uh, and so about 10 years ago, I had 10 things on my list. About five years ago, I narrowed my list down to five things. People all the time say, you know, how, you know, you when you're going to you know, retire, when you, you know, get out of the way or do whatever the case is. And then about three years ago, my list went down to three things. Three things. And this is my, this is my honest heart. Number one, God's will. God's will. That's all that's important is God's will. Number two, and I didn't put these on the screen, help. That could change everything, couldn't it? It could change everything by the service tonight. But here's the one that I wanted, that I was really thinking about. This has been on my list for about three years, and it's vision. It's vision. You know, if I ever come to the place that, that I don't have that desire and that motivation and those goals to see God do one more thing, And I watched these kids up here this morning. Touch one more life. Work one, listen to Brother Allen tell about all the miracles in his tenure here and his tenure on the mission field. And I've got those stories to tell as well. We've seen God do wonderful things. And if I ever lose that, if I ever lose that vision, if I ever come to the place that, that, I don't want to see God do one more thing and and you know I, I don't want to you know I don't want to see the next page that God has for us. I don't need to be here. And so it's all about ambition and desire and and so in the middle of all of this storm debris that's around here, it was when everything was still such a big old mess. Had all of this over here and all that and the sidings off the front of the building. About $50,000 worth of work got to be done and all those kind of things in the middle of all that. You know what Brother Montgomery and I were doing? In the middle of all of that and all of the disaster and trucks going by and, and trees everywhere. Brother Montgomery and I were here on that next Tuesday morning. We had a carpet man in here measuring the carpet to see how much it's going to cost us to remodel auditorium when I lose that desire to see God do the next thing. You see, it's always about one more thing and, and one more soul. If just one more soul were to walk down the aisle, if, just, if God just does one more thing, and when you ever lose that, if you lose it for your Sunday school class, if you lose it for your bus route, if you lose it for your choir, if you lose it for your music, if you lose it, if you lose that ambition, that desire, that want to, that willingness, and you're in the middle of the night, you wake up thinking, Lord, what are you gonna do next? You don't need to be in charge. And in order to savor the moments, number one, you gotta add to your faith. Number two, got to believe God's promises. Number three, you've got to acknowledge His blessings. Number three, got to rest in His peace. And number four, you must fulfill God's calling. Do it. Do it, ladies and gentlemen. Do it, boys and girls. Make sure that you fulfill your calling with Him. Would you stand with us for prayer this morning? Our Heavenly Father.